Welcome to the Project Horse Podcast. We're making advanced horsemanship accessible, sharing down-to-earth training advice and practical exercises with horsemen dedicated to accomplishing their goals. Whether you're hitting the trails for fun, training a project horse at home, or refining maneuvers for reining or cowhorse competition, we'll help you take your horsemanship to the next level. Thank you for joining us. This is the Project Horse Podcast. My name is Jake Lundahl, joined here with my brother Luke. And happy 2019 to everybody listening out there. We hope you've had a great holiday, Christmas season, and a happy new year. That You've had time with family, friends, maybe even some time with your horses. I know up here in the colder latitudes, it's hard to get out and ride this time of year, but we hope you've been able to get at least some time in with your horses. Now, I wanted to take a little bit of time here at the beginning of the podcast to talk about some of the episodes we have coming immediately right down the pipe after this one. We've got what I think is going to be a series of our most powerful and impactful and important episodes that we've ever produced on this podcast, relating directly from our experiences that we've had with the really nice crop of two-year-old reining horses that we were able to take in for training. And it's primarily Luke that's going to be relating a lot of information on kind of the ups and downs, some of the challenges, things that we've learned and experienced, or in other ways in which... I think our program has kind of been validated or able to help correct some of the problems that these horses brought to the table. But we wanted to break the ice in this episode and talk about some of the things that we've done this year. It's almost a year to the day now as we sit here that we started Lundahl Performance and started this podcast, and a lot has transpired. You know, we kind of had an audacious start as soon as we got back here from Arizona, and we immediately booked what we called our Stock Horse Fundamentals Clinic in Texas right away in February. Now, this was maybe jumping the gun on our part. Uh, Ultimately, it turned out to be a success. We had a really nice, dedicated, kind of a a small and intimate clinic down there, and it was really fun. We had our clinic hosts who were also doubling as participants that had a little bit more um, kind of cow horse and stock horse related experience. And then we had a couple other people in the clinic that were completely green, completely foreign, but They wanted to work with us and were willing to give us a shot, which I really commend them for because at that point we had just launched. The business was literally a month old. We hadn't done anything. We didn't even have really anywhere to work or or much of a facility when we got back. You know, everything's basically snowed and iced in around here and we have an indoor round pin and that's it at that point. So really sight unseen. These people were willing to take a chance on us, and we had a great clinic. I think everybody was super positive. We got a lot done, and it was kind of the first chance that we had to really put our program, as you and I had conceived of it, Luke, to the test. Different exercises, modifications of things we'd picked up in our previous apprenticeships and and, um, assistant trainer experience, and we were able to bring some of those things together, and it was kind of a proving ground for us just as much as it was for the actual participants of that clinic. So that that was a great start to the year and a great way to get our feet wet. And it opened the door to a lot of opportunities in the spring. You know, we were able to bring in some training horses. Obviously, that's right in our wheelhouse. It's what we cut our teeth doing during our initial apprenticeship phase. And so we were able to kind of retouch on our roots doing lessons and training horses here and making some improvements to the facility that we had to be able to accommodate that. 
we also started this podcast, and, and we had kind of a vision of documenting or at least being able to record through audio and maybe get some video of some of our initial training sessions. We had a couple other horses that we were riding at the time, made some initial videos uh, that are still on YouTube, as a matter of fact. We did the initial Project Horse video series, and that, again, it was, it was just a proving ground for us to test a lot of the things that we have talked about, debated over plates of hot wings, tested on horses that we've been riding. We were starting to really put a program together. And, uh, and the podcast itself was kind of a way for us to almost have a verbal and mental playground with a lot of our ideas as well, talk about our experience and a lot of our theories and just kind of spitball ideas. That's what this really came out of was that vision. Yeah, I think the ultimate vision when we when we first launched this was kind of like, you know, the tagline that we've kind of adopted, making advanced horsemanship accessible. Like it was kind of a twofold type of a deal. Like we like you said, kind of cut our teeth on just training horses and and getting horses really quiet and broke and, and solving problems and blah blah blah. And then obviously we got we went on to do like, you know, assistant positions at more performance geared places. But we got our start career-wise in doing that with trail horses and just, you know, kind of whatever came through the gates, we'd train and, and just get them really quiet and broke. And, you know, you can pretty much do just about anything with them and stay safe. And so kind of our goal when we started this was not only to document our own process as trainers and try to kind of bring a light to the up-and-coming phase of, of being a, a professional in the industry, um, but also to then impart our our knowledge on what it takes to get a horse really quiet and broke, what it takes to start a cult, take them through the foundation level and all the way up through your program till you have a really quiet, finished, broke horse. But the other goal that was really kind of our little, it's maybe like a North Star, so to speak, is to try to find a way to bridge the gap between just getting, just riding a horse to get them broke to actually going and doing something with them, having a goal and having some fun and putting all that, that work, all that time, all that effort to a purpose. You know, I, I know myself in the very early years as an assistant, and I think you, Jake, as well could vouch for this. You get, eventually got to be like you were stuck in a, in a rut, so to speak, just spinning your tires. Cause you'd get in horses, you'd run them through the program, get them really broke, really quiet, blah, blah, blah. They go home, bring in some new ones. You start back over. And you only reach to a certain point, and then they go home, new ones come in. And it's the same thing over and over again. And then the horses go home, and what do they do? Well, you know, they have a lesson at the end of the time, so they they kind of learn how to work with their horse, what to do with them, blah, blah, blah. They go home with their horse, and they just kind of keep doing the same thing. Always just kind of training on their horse to just train on them, right? And they don't really ever go and do anything with them. And so it was kind of out of that constant tire spinning, that monotony, so to speak, that the seed was kind of planted that, you know, there is more to it than just say, just going and training on the, there's something else that we can do. Well, how do you get there? There's a long jump from just loping your horse on a loose rein out in the pasture to say, going into a, to a uh, ranch riding class and, you know, not embarrassing yourself, let alone winning the darn thing. Right. So it was kind of like, okay, how can we bridge that gap? Oh, and by the way, how can we make it so that people look to it and be like, oh, it's not that big of a deal, right? Like, there's so many people that we talk to that are like, well, you know, I just never would do that whole horse showing thing or, you know, that I just, you know, wouldn't want to embarrass myself, blah, blah, blah. And it would seem like this Mount Everest thing to accomplish with your horse. Like, well, 
You know, look at the way you're 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 riding your horse here. Look at all the things you can do with them. This horse is broke. Now we just have to start finessing and fine tuning and actually you're training on him, which is great, but you need to start training on him with a purpose. Actually have an end goal in mind instead of just constantly training on him just to train on him. Let's go do something with him so you can have a little more fun. You can broaden your horizons, give your horse a new job. You have something to shoot for rather than just trying to nitpick a basic exercise until to the point of insanity on your poor horse's part, right? And so trying to find that uh, little halfway point between a broke horse and an actual horse that you could say go do a show with, you know, it doesn't have to be something like a reigning fraternity or a derby or something, but a little local show, Western pleasure class, a horsemanship class, a um, showmanship class, whatever it is, trail challenge, whatever it is, like finding a way to get from just training on our horse at home to actually make that leap to going and doing something, you know, and trying to bring to light the stuff that we've learned over the years and gotten to see and exposed to and starting to actually get that information out there. So we're a few months into the business. We've got some content that we're kind of getting out, experimenting with, you know, having a little bit of uh, of issues getting that made. We're kind of primitive, but, you know, playing with it, getting it done, having fun with it. But even though we were super capable on the training horse front, we enjoy doing the lessons in clinics and as lucrative as they are, you and I both from the beginning had a strong desire to jumpstart a performance horse program, a performance horse aspect to the business. Because as I alluded to before, we both have not only experimented with and kind of applied in ways when we had a chance, but thought about and theorized what our ideal performance horse program is going to look like, specifically our ideal two-year-old program. And we were eager to put that into practice. And so we were able to get our hands on a horse that was within our price range, but still very talented, what I would call underpriced talent, the kind of two-year-old that has got quite a bit of ability, you know, maybe not a superstar, but there's enough there that with the type of program we can apply, we can maximize that ability, get a little bit more out of the horse than your typical two-year-old guy in the industry. And so the initial horse that we brought into the program and actually purchased ourselves was a horse called Shootin' CDs, or Shooter as we call him. Yes, we purchased Shooter uh, May 25th. Uh, we made a little road trip out to Colorado, and I uh, went out there and, and rode the horse and kind of felt him out where he was at. Um, at that point, he was a real green horse. He had about a month to, say, 40 rides on him, and uh, he was pretty, pretty green and, and uh, you know obviously limited on what he could do. But he felt like a horse that had a lot of ability, a lot of talent. Um, I just liked the way he was put together. I liked how he moved. And it just, you know, it just kind of felt like there was a lot of potential in this particular horse. Um, he kind of reminded me a lot of some good horses that I got to ride as an apprentice. And so I really liked that, that quality in him. So we went ahead and, uh, okayed that and then, and, and purchased our first, uh, two year old. And uh, so that'll be upcoming um, episodes. We're going to talk kind of in depth about where he was at uh, when we first picked him up and kind of the process of implementing him into our program, things that we changed, what we've done up to that point, blah, blah, blah. Um, so that was very exciting to get him and to get started on that. And we kind of remains to be seen where or what we intend to do with this horse, you know, knock on wood that he stays sound and everything like that. There's no unforeseen injuries, but, uh, you know, we'll see where he's at as far as ability and talent and training wise, because, you know, he was a kind of a late started horse anyways, 
we'll see if he can kind of come around strong and be a horse that's ready for, say, the fraternity at the end of the year. Or if we go ahead and say, well, not quite ready for that, we'll save him. They have a great four-year-old fraternity in, in Vegas, and uh, it's a really cool deal they have there as well. We may forego the regular fraternity for that, um, but that kind of remains to be seen. But that was very excited, um, and we're, I'm kind of looking forward to those those episodes where we really get to uh, kind of go a little more in-depth with his training and where he's at and the things that we've done in our own program to get him moving right along. Yeah, not only are we going to talk about Shooter in depth on the podcast and our outlook on him, as well as what our experience with him has been since the spring, but we were actually able this fall to take a trip down to Texas and get a ton of video. We had the first iteration of our course that we're putting together that uh, we were able to produce with Shooter in Texas and worked with a consultant down there who's got us on a much more efficient content production plan. And so I'm very excited, not only for the podcast, but the video content that we're going to be able to make with this horse, especially a few of the core exercises that we think makes a huge difference in a horse like him that is a little bit behind, has a couple issues, but isn't woefully out of control, you know, and he's got some talent to work with. It's not your average training horse. He looks good on video. And we're going to get, I think, a lot of great stuff out of him because he's he's got the talent to do that. But I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself here. Before we went down to Texas and did several days of filming and work with Shooter and a couple of lessons down there, we had a couple of clinics prior to that. We actually had a confidence clinic, a three-day confidence clinic that we did right here in our backyard of Bloomfield, Nebraska at the the, the fairgrounds arena in Bloomfield. And I would say probably of the events that we did this year. I'm kind of glossing over things here. Um, but the confidence clinic really stuck out in my mind. You know, we made a couple of podcasts initially well before that clinic launched and we're in talks with people who wanted to do it. The The confidence clinic, the, the concept of it um, is right in our wheelhouse. The foundation, fundamental clinics, the training horses, working with owners that are green, that's stuff that we, we know it like the back of our hand and cut our teeth on. But a clinic that specifically is focused on repairing the confidence of people that have had an accident. You know, they've got a horse that's out of control. They've run into some situation or, or they've just had their confidence broken. Sometimes it's not even a wreck. You know, sometimes it's other situations where people just feel like they don't have the control that they need. They're nervous. Um, they feel like they've hit a wall with their horse in terms of problems that they're continually running into over and over again don't have a way out. And we had a nice assortment of people for that clinic. You know, we had some recreational riders, a couple people that show on a semi-regular basis. We had one younger gal that, you know, our family knows because she does 4-H and had competed locally this year. She brought a paint horse to the clinic that I would say was one of the horses that made the most dramatic improvement. And it was just a great clinic overall. As hard as we had been focusing on the performance horses and the other things up to that point that we did the clinic, it was nice for me especially to go back to our roots a little bit and help people in a way that was really impactful just for their confidence and happiness with their horses. And so we want to hopefully here in the upcoming year do another clinic like that. I think the, the confidence clinic idea really appeals to a lot of people who might otherwise be intimidated by kind of your normal horsemanship clinic setting, you know, where you've got 
kind of a random assortment of people that are at a higher level and some are even there to kind of show off a little bit. And then you've got the people at a much lower level confidence-wise that don't have a good clinic experience because they're kind of in a shell a little bit. They're kind of intimidated. They're not asking questions. They're not engaging with the instructor enough. And they're being crowded out by these other people. The confidence clinic gives them a place where they're comfortable asking more questions, trying things, you know, and and even making mistakes, but just rolling with the punches and learning and working through it gets people to, to open up in that way. And it's super affordable. It's much more affordable than a private lesson. And so that those two reasons right there is why it's super accessible for a lot of people. And I was super happy with that clinic. I think the confidence clinic idea is something that's not done enough. And we're certainly going to try to do at least one more, if not two, in 2019. We also did a reigning horse clinic that you hosted at a facility in Utah. Yes, there was uh, actually a trainer I became acquainted with when I was out in Arizona at Andreas, Eric Flores. He's a great trainer, his own right, and he's got a good program, and you know he's getting some good horses under his belt, and you know so he'll be out there in the coming years as well. Anyways, he he reached out to me, and he got some people together to come out to his barn, and uh, so that was nice. It was a three day clinic out there, uh, nice facility, nice arena. And uh, good people, and I thought we got a lot done at that clinic as well, which was really nice. It was, it was kind of a fun, interesting dynamic to go from the confidence clinic one week to turning right around and doing this reigning clinic. Like one week, here we are working on the bare bones basics of horsemanship, a lot of groundwork, a lot of you know beginning uh, exercises under saddle. Flip the script. Next week, here we are working on turns and stops and stuff like that. So that was kind of fun. And uh, keeps things interesting, keeps you on on the spot, so to speak, or it keeps you mentally sharp because you have to kind of readjust the next week for that. So that that was that was a lot of fun. We got a lot done there in that clinic, but sandwiched in between those two confidence clinic and this reigning clinic was kind of the next to us, you know, getting shooter. I'd say probably one of the bigger bigger highlights of the year. I think, especially for our program and our goal on the performance horse side of things. Yeah, that's for sure. You got reached out to directly by uh, David McGee of McGee Farms Performance Horses, somebody that you knew um, from previous experience and and had worked some of his horses in the past. And he had three two-year-olds. He had a, a colt and two fillies that he wanted to send to us for training. Because, you know, you especially, Luke, um, we both take a lot of pride in, in our abilities with two-year-olds, but I, I would say that you especially have the reputation of being good with young horses. And these horses admittedly were kind of behind. They had different problems in some areas. And he was going to send them out to us. And that happened in September. So September through to today, we've had these three two-year-olds in our barn. And it's not only been great to have them here, but it's been great to kind of track their development, take note of the different things, some of the problems and issues they brought to the table, where their strengths and weaknesses are at, things that we've done. We've gotten to put the entire spectrum of our two-year-old program and the skills and, and assets we have there into play with these different horses because of the different, just the personalities they have, talent levels, things they bring to the table, etc. So when I said earlier that we have what I think is going to be the most impactful series of episodes coming out. We're going to detail not only Shooter, but these horses as well. 
you know, these are the kind of the higher level, higher caliber horses that we can bring a lot of value to the table in relating what was done with them, kind of the situation was when they came to us, how we approached their training, different things that you did, Luke, as far as your riding, to correct different issues. There's so much information. Yeah. And I think, uh, you know, a, a big thing with that is getting these horses in, it get, it was a big shot of, of adrenaline into the arm of our program, giving us access to, like, these these horses, the barn where they come from, the whole point of this barn is to compete at the level four of the NRHA, you know, NRHA level four competitors, contenders. As far as access to the best horses, this this barn has access to the best of the best in the country. And so we have the rare privilege of getting in some potentially elite, elite horses. And that kind of opened the door for kind of the cap of the year, really, the, you know, kind of the most exciting news to, to finish off the year for us was once the fraternity had finished up there at the first week of December, get a phone call, um, from Ohio and, and, uh, it was none other than NRHA professional Sean Florida. And he wanted to come out and, and, uh, at the request of David, come out and evaluate these horses and see where they're at and find out which ones he felt like were level four type contenders, maybe which ones were lower levels or which ones really weren't, you know, something that was worth continuing to pursue, you know, yada, yada. And so then right before Christmas, toward the close of December, uh, we got the privilege of having him out to our barn to ride those three horses and evaluate them and give, kind of insights into what he was looking for, what he liked, what he didn't like. And uh, so that was really, really cool to have him at our barn and riding those horses. Um, and so that was kind of the highlight, really, of the year. And it, and it kind of came at the perfect time because it just capped off the year uh, right there. It was a bit surreal, so to speak. Yeah, I thought it was a cool moment to have a legend like Sean in our barn and getting his direct feedback on just what he looks for in a good horse. And his interpretations on where these horses were at. And um, so we'll definitely share not only the insights that we gain, but but what he brought to the table in these upcoming podcasts when we kind of recap these horses training to the point of where they are now. So overall, you know, 2018 was a building year for us, but it was a it was a good year. We had our ups and downs, challenges, etc. But who doesn't, right? And and we had a great way to cap the year off with Sean's visit, some of the other lessons and things that happened really was kind of the cherry on top of the Sunday that was 2018. And for those of you listening, if you haven't done so, if you go to our Facebook page, we posted, uh, I think on Christmas Day, actually, kind of a year-end post thanking a lot of the key people that played a role in helping us get the ball rolling on this business, um, put opportunities in, in front of us, helped us in various ways. Obviously, we can't thank absolutely everybody. The list would be endless, but that was a good summation of a lot of the key players that stepped up to the plate for us this year, and, and we could not thank them enough for the support they've given. It's been awesome. It's also been cool to have so much feedback on the podcast itself and some of the other training content we've been putting out there. Um, it's been surprising. We've actually had a few people come on board in you know different ways to be supporters of the podcast, in some cases, even financially. And so we're extremely grateful for that also. And we're definitely committed to making this project better and better. You know, this anchor platform that we've been using has been great. 
being on Spotify and iTunes and stuff, having the <laughs> the Lundahl podcast on those platforms. I couldn't have imagined it even a year ago or, or two years ago. I can't even remember when I heard about Anchor and didn't even know it existed, didn't know that kind of thing was possible. So it's been a cool year uh, overall. And, and to those of you listening, we appreciate it. I want to thank you for listening to the podcast. And, and those of you that have reached out, asked questions, things of that nature, we can't thank you enough. It's, it's, it's our oxygen. It's stuff that we love to do whether it's training questions, etc., gives us motivation to keep doing this. And we're going to really try to deliver for you guys, especially these next four episodes, really try to bring the heat, the most, I would say, concentrated kind of encapsulation of our training experience on some really good, a really good set of two-year-olds this year. I think that's going to be super valuable. Now, another thing that we had kind of, we'd talked about this, been in discussions about it, since the beginning of the year. It's always been our desire to, based on our apprenticeship experiences, when we got in a position to do so, really create an environment that was kind of able to foster real mentorship. Because we've met so many other young professionals like ourselves, and even well-established trainers have told us this directly or admitted it or alluded to it at various times that we've spoken to them about this problem. There is kind of a worry among some in the business that there's not enough really well-seasoned young professionals stepping up to the plate and getting ready and prepared adequately to take the reins from the people that are currently at the top when the time comes. And so I think it's up to us as younger professionals to kind of band together, help each other, coordinate, uh, create real mentorship environments where we can share knowledge, help each other, network, etc. And, you know, for, for most of the year, we've not been in a position to take on any added help or any assistance or people that we're mentoring. But we're finally in a position now where we've got a couple young people coming on board. And it's going to be really, I think, key to our success to help them develop their capability so we can keep expanding this business and, and also create the kind of academy or apprenticeship environment that we would have wanted to have. We're trying to, like you said, create the learner experience that we would have wanted, where you actually go out there and ride some darn horses and learn the information you need to be a skilled professional in your own right, you know, and not turn this into a, you know, for lack of a better word, just kind of a money grab where we kind of throw a little chicken feet out, delegate some stuff, Plus, you know, go weed eat my fence lines and then, you know, in a few weeks to months, kick you out and bring the next group in. Like actually bring them in and get them busy learning the way that I guess we would have uh, looking back kind of the ideal situation because we've gotten to see the apprenticeship learner type of program laid out many, many times over and at many different places. And there's always kind of a resounding theme to it. And it kind of leaves the apprentice at a bit of a disadvantage. You know, you're kind of stuck there for a long term, kind of slowly getting little tastes of the carrot to keep you in the game, so to speak. And you never truly get that knowledge and experience that you really need to be thrown out in the real world and handle a situation, right? You don't ever get that from day one. And so trying to 
get ourselves into a position where we can actually bring some people on and start to convey that knowledge and the benefit of the help that we got through the years and push that forward so that, like you said, we can kind of create a little bit of a community of other of other, you know, like-minded horse people and share ideas and actually kind of grow and kind of prepare ourselves for being professionals that will eventually take the industry, you know, come the the next turn of the of the card. Correct me if I'm wrong here, but I think what really pushed us both over the edge was being able to get in either a private lesson or a clinic environment with some of these people and see the deficiencies in the education they'd had under other trainers play out in the product they were producing. And not only talking to uh, people they'd worked with, but riding their horses and just being amazed at just the the knowledge and, and tools that these people are not being given. Well, I don't even, not so much even that, but having conversations with them directly. Like they would just absolutely, you know, we talk one-on-one with people that even like went through different programs with, you know, elite clinicians and whatnot. We talk with them one-on-one. They'd be like, well, we didn't learn that. Yeah. I, I never heard about that. Well, one gal you talked to that went to Texas for a year, she worked at a ranch the entire year under a world-renowned clinician, didn't ride a horse the whole time. Oh, yeah. It's, you know, the common cliche thing. Or you get relegated to lunge a few horses and then, you know, go and warm up and exercise some that are like coming off of a lameness or like a tendon injury. You get to go out and jog them around the outside of the arena while the real training is going on, you know, and then saddle and unsaddle, stuff like that, you know. And But just talking with them directly, like, well, I never, you know, like that one in particular, not even getting on a horse, you know, at all. But even if they are, you know, interacting with horses, it was, well, I never learned that. And like, what's that? And this is where I can take this? Like, this is, you know, even like basic foundation level type stuff that you would do, like, say, with a cult, like, refinements for just basic exercises. They're like, wow, I, did, I this is so much better. Like, I didn't know this or that or whatever. Like, that's the stuff that, you know, is is kind of missing and trying to, you know, put in the time because that's, you know, I guess what it really comes down to is are you willing to put in the time? And I think that it's definitely going to be worth it for us to get, you know, from a content standpoint and a pass it forward standpoint to bring on people that can kind of help us in creating different things and, and expanding our, our company, but at the same time, educating them in, in the deficient areas, actually putting in the time so that they can actually get something out of it in the long run. You know, it's going to be require more legwork, but this has been a vision of ours from the beginning. I mean, many a plate of wings were devoured in talking about this for several years before we even launched this, this business. We both have been so eager for a long time, as you said, many a plate of wings were devoured, wargaming of how to not only have an apprenticeship program that functions, but produce horsemen who are capable professionals in their own right and who are able to stand on their own two feet even after they leave. And also having the humility to recognize, you know, you at least, um, uh, the, the job you took in Arizona, you know, one of the things that, that was predicated on. And that you were told up front was, you know, we understand you have your own ambitions. You're not going to be here forever. And it's like, whoa, somebody that isn't going to get super bitter over me having my own ambitions. That's a new one, right? And so that, you know, we wanted to bring that 
to this idea that we had of, you know, we're still developing our careers in business in a lot of ways, but we have enough experience and knowledge and tactics to pass on. Right. And it's okay. And and you'd say, well, you know, what's what's the benefit of doing that? Right. What what is the benefit of, say, bringing on some learners at this point? Like, you know, what what, what's the catch? You know, how many tens of thousands are you going to be charging uh, someone to sign up for this program? You know, there there is no sign up entry fee type of a thing. It's a do we have room for for someone or not? And currently at this point, we're bringing on two people, um, two trainers that are, are going to kind of be the first two in this program. Um, but the benefit to this in the long term is, is twofold the way I look at it. It's one, it's a huge proof of concept reference to the program that this kind of melting or combining in a way of the two, the super, super broke, natural horsemanship side of it compared with the maneuvers practical real world side of it that combining of the two into yes i can actually have a broke horse but oh i can do something with him too instead of one or the other that combining of the programs and finding the the best of the two eliminating all the kind of chicken feed that just takes up time and is just kind of more pointless content thrown out there just to keep people busy eliminating that and getting down to the real stuff that actually goes on in the arena, not the stuff that's just kind of thrown out to the public just to do, but what's actually going on in the arena and, you know, how the horse is actually trained to actually get out there and, and do as well as what you see on the video. There's a lot more that goes on than what is just, say, put out on film, right? So it's a proof of the program to have professionals that know, that are competent and and know what they're doing it's a great reflection for the program because it proves that we're on to something here there's a there's a difference here in the way we're going about it so getting professionals out that are that are true professionals and they are equipped to handle what the situation is whether it's dealing with a problem horse in the round pen that you can't get it to lope to a horse that gets really bracy in a lead change you know i don't know really of anyone at this point that um, you know, you could go to and and call up and say, "Hey, I have one horse that I, I have two horses in a, in a private lesson. I want you to do. I want one to work on this, another to work on that." And I really don't know anybody, you know, that could really give you good, solid advice and on both of them and help with both those areas. So, putting out competent professionals that could handle a situation like that, it really is a reflection on our own program in a way, but twofold network having a network of other professionals in the industry that we can kind of pitch ideas off of, communicate with, so to speak, that network is a huge deal in the horse industry. And so creating a network of other like-minded trainers will be a huge benefit in the long term, especially for the uh, well-being of this horse industry. You know, especially the way things are going in a lot of areas, you know, there's a bit of a danger coming up in the near future industry wise and if we don't have a network of competent trainers this thing could get out of hand fast when the the current kind of hierarchy so to speak just says all right i'm retiring and they step out of it it doesn't just completely fall on its face yeah we want to be able to collaborate at a macro level with with other trainers who you know they can do a confidence clinic and then turn around and boom a couple days later they're teaching reining or they're working with an, with one of their non pros 
and they're just as capable in both situations. So we're really excited about that. Now, we're kind of using an umbrella term for that project. We're calling it the Lundell Performance Horseman's Academy. So there's the entire professional aspect to that and the experience, the videos, the content, the feedback, the things that are going to come out of that, the collaboration, you name it. There's going to be a lot of positives to that on the professional side. But the non-professionals and the recreational people, the aspiring showmen, the casual horse owners that we're also bringing in, we're creating, we're using that content to to create an online course. And this is going to be a multi-year project. This is not something that's going to spring up overnight. And we're definitely not going to beat other established trainers out there in terms of the volume of content or the or the glossy production quality. But as you alluded to before, where we would have an advantage is show this entire development cycle that we've put together in how we think about horse training and just our overall program. And, and we're keeping that a little bit more exclusive. We really want the more dedicated people, the non-professionals, the clients, as well as the professional people that we're collaborating with. We want a dedicated community of people that are all on the same page together and sharing this, this vision. I can see this thing growing and taking off. And a couple of years from now, we have a real positive group of people, both on the professional and the non-professional side, who are communicating on the same page as well. You're bridging the gap and creating understanding between the people that do this and are in the trenches every day and whose livelihood depends on this and the people that are the non-professionals who are, in most cases, often removed from the realities of that life and are a little bit disconnected from what it really takes. Both sides can kind of learn from each other. I think it's going to be a great project. And so both aspects of that, we're bringing that under the umbrella of what we call the Horseman's Academy. Uh, we have our preliminary website launched. You go to lundellperformance.com slash academy. You can kind of see a little bit of our, our initial promo video, kind of the descriptions we put out. But if you really want to get in depth with it, and it's something you'd like to look into, as a non-professional, what this manifests as is basically a course and a mentoring type relationship with either Luke or myself directly. So we're giving you constant input on your horses while making content that you can watch, learn from, interpret, ask us questions. And what we're really trying to do is integrate the typical private lessons that we do, like a, a, a typical three-day weekend lesson that costs $800 a day. We're trying to package that in with a course where it's a, a year-long effort of mentorship on our part. And oh, by the way, you get the benefit of, of having a course as part of that package. And it's just a great system I think we've come up with to have ongoing and productive relationships with people instead of these big bursts of input, like a horsemanship clinic or a concentrated focus lesson, and then long periods of drought where they're not getting any coordinated effort focused on them and their horse, or they're just taking some things that they should have moved on from already and just getting stuck in a rut. You know, it happens to all of us. You need that mentor to kind of be there for the checks and balances aspect of this is what you need to be focusing on. You need to drop this. You need to focus more on this. You know, having that input, I think that's one of the biggest draws to this idea. So without further ado, I think we'll wrap up this episode. Happy 2019. I hope everybody has a great new year. Thank you for spending some time with us and just kind of reconnecting uh, uh, where we've been at, some of the things that we've done this past year, and 
We hope you guys have had a good year with your horses as well. If you'd like to reach out to us, as always, you can find us on Facebook at uh, Lundell Performance. Our page is there, or just go to LundellPerformance.com. There's easy ways to get in touch with us there on anything. Just inquire about what we do, question for the podcast. Lately, we've been in a habit of doing a lot of uh, voice messages and, and Q&A stuff through email. We do, we do a lot, so don't hesitate to reach out to us. Um, thank you guys once again for listening. Stay tuned. The next four episodes that are coming up are going to be mad fire. So if those have been posted already, you've got some listening to do. Thank you guys for joining us. Have a great day. Thank you for listening to the Project Horse Podcast. If you enjoyed it, be sure to subscribe and give us a five-star rating to help more horsemen like you find our content. You can also check out the Lundahl Performance Facebook page. There you can message us with any questions or training topics you want covered on the show. You can also learn about our training program, clinics, lessons, and the consulting we do for horse owners across the United States and abroad. Thanks again for listening. 